नमस्ते दिस इज अ क्वेश्चन आंसर सेशन सो वाइल वी वेट फॉर क्वेश्चंस टू कम जस्ट अ कपल ऑफ वर्ड्स अबाउट द मोमेंट ऑफ साइलेंस व्हिच यू नो श्वेता जस्ट मेंशन दीज मोमेंट्स ऑफ साइलेंस आर गिवन टू अस एक्चुअली इवन इन बिटवीन ब्रेथ इन बिटवीन हार्ट बीट्स in the flowing of the current through the synapses in the brain there are pauses and uh, we uh, experience everything is continuous it's just like in a cinema you have the picture running and uh, it it looks continuous but there is also uh, filling of the gaps with silence and i think it's very important to snatch those moments wherever we are yeah in our hello yes so in these moments of silence we can um, enter into deeper and higher states draw energy consciousness force light peace from worlds beyond our reckoning and so it's important to snatch those moments deliberately even in work we have time maybe a few moments a uh, few minutes Uh, we often just uh, let this time slip by you know we get into either chit chat or coffee table discussions it's very important that time to just stay quiet inside inwardly and uh, open ourselves to the source of infinite energy above us we lose every day countless moments in which we can just quietly plunge within us stay quiet stay still and open ourselves to something much greater which surrounds us is beyond us is above within below everywhere so that was about the moment of silence and now about some questions so moment of silence is not a formality uh, it's a way of life now the gita adds to it that during the moment of silence we should remember and offer our being to the divine now if we can do it wonderful but not all are blessed with a faith in the divine but uh, at least this much we all understand both scientifically and logically that uh, there is something which we can call as a greater consciousness a vaster consciousness uh, or just a consciousness which is amazing amazing in its complexity and its vastness uh, maybe the source doesn't matter what we call it yoga is not about calling a particular name to the ultimate source uh, different people call it differently um, in different uh, cultures religions even in different sects within yoga paths but there is a source and origin and since everything has come from that source it is there within us also it's within each atom of existence but it is given to man to consciously connect with that source while it is there within everything but man has the unique privilege to connect with it and this is a unique privilege we must exercise it's a birthright being born to a human body and if we miss on it it's like you know someone left infinite treasure in our name uh, and we were too lazy to search for it we preferred the begging bowl and going from door to door asking for dolls so this is uh, if there is a tragedy this is the tragedy that being in a human body given this possibility of connecting to the very source of all life of creation of creator if you want to put it that way and yet missing this wonderful opportunity 
Now this connection of the individual unit we call as ourselves with the cosmic and the transcendent reality we call as God is what is yoga. And there can be no better way to face all the challenges of life, to wash away, not just uh, washing away depression, that's a negative thing, but to fill ourselves with the breath of infinite delight. There is no better way. All else is a distraction. Go here, go there, busy yourself with (laughs) window shopping, (laughs) Uh, eat some good food. All this is okay, but uh, ultimately it is by connecting ourselves to the source that we can get the delight that we want to experience, that we are actually seeking, though unconsciously, unconsciously and uh, because our faith is limited, so we think we can get it only through something very outer. And when we don't get it, we suffer, we get frustrated. Well, it was never meant to uh, you know, be gotten from outside, except in very limited and very mixed up amounts. Mixed quality. We don't get that pure uh, stuff anywhere. No shop. We have to go shopping inside, but the price is too exacting. If you go shopping for delight, it asks for only one thing. (laughs) Give me your false identities (laughs) and I'll give you the true one. That is what is called a sacrifice in yoga. To give up all our... um, all these false identities we carry on our, uh, what is it called, visiting card and God knows what <laughs> and feel puffed up about. Um, we offer it and we offer a littleness and smallness and ego. That's the most important, ego personality to which we are attached. Name, surname, which becomes a photo frame, which our grandchildren conveniently forget. So that's not life about so life is about this infinite delight, infinite consciousness, infinite beauty, infinite love, infinite wisdom. And the way to, to, to become one with that is yoga. So I think this is enough as a background, otherwise <laughs> uh, I'm putting a break on the inspiration. And any questions? Let's have some questions. Yes. So, there's a lot of uh, things uh, we are reading nowadays, especially the uh, messages we get from social media about today's this special grahan and... Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so, the grahan and the... Um, today, there is a Suri grahan and... Uh, uh, has mother said something about it? So you see, uh, things like Grahan and uh, the co- the cosmic movement of stars and the subtle bodies. Actually, all physical phenomena has its uh, is a representative symbol of something more subtle and occult. So, uh, occult point of view, one can understand that you know the sun is the source of all light, all consciousness, and if something crosses its path, stands in its way, it's symbolic of like a shadow standing between us and the Lord, so symbolically. But all this still belongs to the lower hemisphere. And the mother wants to take us to the higher hemisphere, to that realm where there is no Grahan at all. The deathless light, the shadowless truth, the everlasting day. 
so she speaks about the essentially about the spiritual journey and in fact all the great masters what their name who speak about union with the divine i am not speaking of you know those foraying into the occult and all that uh, which is uh, of course uh, something more than what human consciousness experiences but if we take yoga as a union with the divine then uh, it's the ultimate power what can stand in the way of uh, our union Uh, so we have to look at it like this um, it's depends a lot on our uh, faith if we have uh, faith in these things that you know eating a particular food or of course looking at the sun directly is not advisable that's uh, a, that's medically not advisable some of these things may have come up subsequently because of purely medical reasons people wanted to have a look they lost their eye and you know Uh, then human nature is such that it begins to observe things that okay on this particular day animals were behaving crazily well animals will behave crazily because uh, it's something unusual and they tune themselves to the cosmic rhythms uh, even for human nature if you notice that you know uh, uh, we have a biological clock ticking inside which is balanced by managed by the um light and dark cycle night and day and night cycle so this biological clock also takes a hit so which means our internal biological rhythms in some way definitely get affected the hormonal secretions the endocrine system everything depends on that now it's not that it has been studied in detail to prove something authentically scientifically because um, that's not how the scientists would look at it but it's understandable that uh, phenomena like that are bound to impact earthly life because of our connection with the rhythms um, i'm talking of a purely material way uh, we wake up we sleep at night wake up in the morning we wake up with the little bit sun coming up so all that is fine but it's not that important now you know to to that many things get added up uh like don't do this uh, take a bath before uh, you know eat uh, very early and then eat after 2 o'clock like you know in certain other cultures you have uh, eat before sunrise and uh, then after sunset all these things um, then we put so much belief in this that become like a collective suggestion that becomes a problem because now if everybody believes that something is going to happen then <laughs> if you don't believe but deep inside there is that fear it's like the virus which has become omnipresent now oh what if i am attacked now this is enough to open the door so you know it's a collective suggestion Uh, so there is a symbolic uh, phenomena there is an occult uh, play of forces there is a material aspect of it um, uh, and there are collective suggestions masked with a heap of practices which may have originated with some logic at some point of time but have now stuck on to our outer consciousness as if they are uh, you know inelectable truths now all this mask creates a uh, heavy uh, consciousness in the mind and it's not healthy frankly you know we should have a very healthy approach towards life and all these things whatever be the movement of the stars the soul in man is greater than his fate and there's nothing 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 absolutely nothing none of the cosmic forces can stand before the light of the original sun the divine consciousness isn't it there in all our puranas even when that consciousness takes a human form like lord rama ravana who had mastered all these celestial forces all the navagraha where his uh, you know menials they would obey his command that's what it means that he had captured the means now he could uh, 
captured those subtle forces that weave the thread of destiny. He had done that. That's what it means. Not the way it is portrayed, ki pakarke, you know, you tie them in a prison. But it means that he had mastered these forces. Uh, he was a yogi of a certain kind. Uh, you know, what Shobindo calls as the infrarational mystic, like Hitler. So, they go for powers, occult powers, and they get it. But even before the embodied divine, he couldn't stand. Leave aside the ultimate power in its original effulgence. Rama has, is, is the divine. But he has limited himself to a sattvic illumined mind. And yet, so uh, those of us who are so fortunate to have faith in the divine and uh, those who are doubly fortunate to have the embodied divine uh, in whom they can put their faith. I use the word fortunate because it is indeed a rare grace to have faith in the divine. Uh, There is, all these things have no meaning at all. But yes, for those who believe in it, it's perfect. Perfectly fine to, you know, but where is the end of all these, uh, becoming a slave of all these forces? Man is born to be free. And we must live our life as free beings, not as, uh, you know, slaves. We are not meant to be that. Now, symbolically, since you mentioned, it's very interesting. I I, I mean, um, there are interesting aspects to it. For example, Surikrahan. So, there is the sun and there is the shadow. Now, if you identified with the shadow, then yes, you are miserable. <laughs> if you are identified with the sun, there is no shadow. So, it's interesting that today I see humanity in two parts. One which is identified with the shadow called fear, death. Death has become such a huge reality in everybody's life. It's not healthy. But if you identify with it, surely the shadow falls on you. But equally we can be identified with the sun, the ancient mantra, the greatest that one can ever have from yogic point of view. A mantra of one single word or two. Aham Brahmasmi. I am the deathless, ageless one. Now if we could collectively wake up to that consciousness and trust that, nothing will come. But it's so difficult because human nature wants to fall back the so-called reality and the phenomena, so-called phenomena which we believe to be real, much more real than the real truth. So we have the sun and the shadow, depends on what we identify ourselves with. Uh, Then of course this day is the longest day and uh, for those who, uh, you know, know about Mother and Shurabindu, of course they must be aware that this is the day when Shurabindu had announced the launching of the Arya. The first issue came out on 15th August 1914, but the launching was announced on 21st June 1914. Now, I find it very interesting, again like the Suri Grahan. See, during 1914 to 1919, the world was engulfed in a deadly war and of course followed by the Spanish flu. What was Shurabindu doing then? Not doing some havan and yagya to, you know, keep away the war. Of course, he had his inner uh, spiritual power. But he was invoking the sun all through the Arya. It is light, 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 endless light. So instead of being mesmerized by darkness, uh, let's invoke the sun. That is something we can always do. And if there is darkness, we must do it with even greater intensity. If there is at all a responsibility, it is this to invoke the light of the sun. Vedic Rishis... Uh, you know, they, there are richas where they speak of 
long nights. So based on this, you know, Sri uh, Lokman Tilak had this uh, theory about the Aryan migration. Mind you, this is different from Aryan invasion. Aryan invasion never took place. This is now proved beyond doubt. But migration, humanity was migrating into probably from a previous cycle. Uh, the previous cycle was in the Arctic uh, belt. Then the Ice Age came and people migrated. The story of Manu and uh, you know. So during this migration uh, in the Arctic circle, they must have experienced. Now Shurvindu says this is possible that they may have experienced long nights. Because in Arctic circle you see long, long nights, six months or nine months of night. Uh, so you know it's quite likely. But the beauty is that during that time, they are invoking the sun. They are lighting the fire. So fire of aspiration must be lit higher. And behind all these customs, sometimes that, you know, do this puja, that puja. Basically, our puja is to light the fire of aspiration and to invoke the sun. So even this becomes an opportunity. When, you know, the shadow will see that my presence is only intensifying the aspiration. <laughs> then it will say that my plan has failed. <laughs> So, let's uh, deliberately, consciously fail the plannings of the <laughs> shadow. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> okay. So, any other question? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, this is Kostov from Melbourne. Okay. Yes, Kostov. Hello. Yes, yeah. uh, I don't know how to bring this up, uh, Alok Bhai. Uh, yeah, yeah, please. Uh, you know, a crucial point in my life. I just lost my mother uh, two weeks back due to brain stroke in India. Uh -huh. And I could not fly to India hmm. because of COVID outbreak. Yes. And, uh, so I worship Mother and Sri Aurobindo. It's hmm. very painful in the heart, you hmm. know, and just thought of, you know, asking you what exactly I should do. So... Uh, Yes, it's a good question, which I am sure uh, quite a few people must be experiencing, you know, with either their parents or near and dear ones being away from them. And though they feel so deeply, which is understandable, they cannot be with them. So uh, I would suggest, you know, first I'll narrate an uh, incident when um, uh, there, there was somebody living in the ashram context and uh, the mother was very ill, his physical mother was very ill. And he asked the Divine Mother for guidance. Mother said, you can do a lot more for her by being here and praying and connecting to the Divine. You see, this world is interconnected. It's not just the physical presence. Yes, there are physical things where physical presence is required. We need people to, you know, physically help. And if that can be arranged in some way, that is wonderful. But there are other levels of uh, togetherness which fortunately don't need us to take a flight. And uh, so first thing we should do is to send every day, morning, evening, our thoughts, our prayers, our love, our gratitude. And trust me, they will reach. Even though she may not outwardly in her outer consciousness understand it, but it's going to nourish her, nurture her. She may not ever realize that, you know, or maybe she will because, you know, parents are very sensitive to things which are coming from the children. But they will understand. And of course, now there is Skype and everything through which even materially there could be. So stay in touch in both inner ways and outer ways. And it's not so much that one is physically present. Uh, even a few moments, you know, actually there are now neurological studies where they say that when you go and see a patient for five minutes in an ICU setting. Now this translated into five minutes of Skype call. Now, uh, you know, the actual studies that uh, you just smile and 
throw some positive thoughts and come back. Now these thoughts uh, run like a record in the brain for many hours. You know, it is, there is an interesting word for it, mirroring. There are actual mirror neurons identified in the brain. Now, look at it now the other way, that if we are pained and if we are unhappy, then that's also not happy, not a good thing, because maybe when we talk to our parents, uh, first of all, even when we don't speak, we are sending this pain towards them, unwittingly, of course. Uh, and when we speak to them, it will come up. You know, imagine, you know, if uh, we just mention, I'm saying in general, anyone, that, uh, you know, I am so pained and I am so unhappy that I am away, I wish I could be there. Now, you know, this is going to compound the state in which the parents are. Uh, it will be something like a misplaced sympathy. So it may be gratifying to the ego for the moment that, you know, oh, my son or my loved one feels like this for me, but it gratifies the ego, but does not nourish the soul. So instead of that, it's much better to, you know, send the thoughts of love. And when we speak to them, though we may miss and our hearts may weep, don't let the weeping reach them, but the, the smile that we experience when we meet them, see them, and stay in touch with them. So this is very important because otherwise our inner state affects us and all those whom we love and cherish. So this is what I would suggest. And above all, most importantly, remember them in your prayers. Offer their being to the divine. Pray for them. And I think this is the best help that one can ever give because divine is everywhere. He can reach anywhere and everywhere in whatever way, countless ways, through countless hands. And I have so many stories uh, Actual, not book read stories, but uh, actual where I have seen that this kind of prayer has reached and uh, has helped. I mean, uh, of course, there would be a process uh, and sometimes when we see the process, we just end up saying it's natural. But, you know, behind the natural, there is the supernatural which also stands. Uh, I'll give you an example when during my Air Force days and uh, my, I'm the only son. I have a sister, but my father had uh, stroke. And I got a message. Now, you know, this is uh, somewhere mid-90s. Uh, that time when I went for an urgent leave, there was a whole team coming to this institute, which was, of course, a very special institute where I was posted. And leave was denied. I knew it will be denied. But still I asked and, you know, now what to do? Now look at soldiers, you know, they are on border. So, what to do? So, I just prayed. That's the only thing I could, I could do. Uh, and, of course, spoke to my father. All this uh, Skype business was not there. Landline. Landline also through somebody else. So, it was to my mother that I spoke. Uh, we didn't have a phone at home. So, the neighbor's phone and my mother is conveying the message. And my father, with his faith in, uh, in Lord Rama, he had such a beautiful experience and he, uh, he recovered with it. <laughs> Everything recovered completely. Now, it's you see, strokes can recover. There is something called as a transient ischemic attack. But as Shurabindu puts it, I prayed and I have equally a valid right scientifically to believe that my prayer helped. Uh, there are studies where it is shown that prayers helped. Collective prayers helped. Individual prayers helped. So prayer is something which we miss out uh, badly in our life. Of course, we all pray, but it's largely a mechanical prayer, largely a prayer from the book which we have read. But it should well up from the heart, from the core of a being. That's a prayer. Uh, the divine must be getting bored hearing all those, you know, 
Oh, hail thou almighty. And that's not what is prayer. <laughs> Sometimes that is drama. And he doesn't like it, you know. We, we should pray as we would approach him. Imagine the divine right, I keep saying this, you know, divine right in front of you. Are we going to really narrate a prayer from uh, uh, whatever, Sanskrit, English or whatever and with all those intonations, he will say, okay, okay, now get back to the real stuff. <laughs> but or rather we fall at his feet and say, Trahimam, take me, help me. Uh, mother used to have a whole list of prayers which she speaks about and she said, for many years the only uh, two word mantra which would instantly connect her was, Oh Lord. That was enough for the Lord to be there. So, we have the story of Prahlad. So wonderful. So, prayer, invocation of the divine and the best part is even, I think yesterday I was mentioning, even if one leaves the body for whatever reasons, time has come or a hundred other reasons, in such situations, what a beautiful way to be surrounded by all the prayers. Those who have an occult vision can see these prayers. Literally. Now imagine, you know, if one has to leave the body surrounded by all these swan-like beings who have come to take because some people have prayed for you. Rather than all those, you know, horrible looking yamdutas with all those God knows <laughs> buffaloes and horns, crude imagination of people. <laughs> but <laughs> much better this way. So pray. Pray and uh, I mean, whoever loves them, pray together. Keep a time when you and they can connect together in a common prayer. Keep a time when you know you can pray together. And I think that will be wonderful. It will bring you uh, a greater intimacy at that level. A much greater in- intimacy than what we can ever physically achieve. Because I have seen that when people are physically together, they end up fighting. But when they are a little separated, they end up loving. Because the edges of the ego are not rubbing and the core can come out. So... Uh, let this core come out and connect with not only parents, I would say, with the whole world from the core rather than the surface. Because the surface invariably brings the play of ego, pain, much unwanted uh, suffering. Right? Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Can someone write these questions? One or two. Yeah, but better for easy. So, any other question? Uh, Namaste, Doctor. Namaste, Namaste. I have a a question. Um, If a person is naturally inclined towards depression or uh, if they have inherited biology of depression, can it be uh, really cured? Or what can we do to help them? Okay, this is a very uh, practical question. Uh, and I'd missed this out yesterday because, you know, we didn't talk about clinical depression uh, or biological depression as it is called. And thanks for bringing it up. Uh, so, yes, biological depression, meaning thereby there is a heredity factor. Uh, I won't use the word natural because uh, there is nothing which uh, can be regarded as a fixed natural. Nature itself works according to habits and patterns. Heredity itself is that. So essentially the root of the problem is that can we change what we have inherited? 
and uh, from the standpoint of yoga we can definitely we can uh, not only change it override it but change it completely you know now i don't want to go into the technical details of all these studies but you know there is a very interesting uh, just to give you one small little hint uh, from the uh, genetic point of view there is a uh, there is a messenger which connects the uh, cells our very cells uh, it attaches to the cell walls then enters inside see how how are how is the decoding taking place inside the nucleus and how are all the messages reaching the cell from one place to another so there is a messenger which is called as you know uh, trna and mrna which actually come and tag on and pass on the message now this is a process which happens at a very uh, microscopic subconscious level but this messenger can definitely be uh, guided by your thoughts in fact in one of the places the mother says that the purpose of thought is to mediate between the grace and the substrate or the material medium so definitely it can be done uh, at the same time we must understand it's not like a wishful thinking it's not like you know people say okay whatever you wish that will happen uh, well uh, it will happen but uh, the more a problem is rooted in the body the greater time it takes so perseverance has to be tremendous so one can completely come out of depression for sure i am not talking of psychotic phenomena which is a different thing um, since this question is uh, specific about biological depression yes definitely but it re- needs that kind of uh, faith aspiration persistent effort which should not be directed towards getting rid of depression as much as towards growing towards health see there are two different things slightly uh, it may sound subtle but by saying that i want to praying i want to get rid of depression i am indirectly reinforcing it you know uh, instead of that it's like i want to do practice yoga to get rid of illness how about practicing yoga for the sake of health uh, even those who are not depressed are not healthy uh, sometimes very difficult to say which is a better fate because uh, depression uh, or you know psychological crisis gives us an opportunity to reflect and grow whereas those who are not going through it are very happy and comfortable in their little cocoon uh, and i'm telling all this very responsibly as a practicing psychiatrist for the last how many three decades <laughs> so i have seen number of patients and i have seen that there are people who just come out because they have the faith perseverance and they understand this that i have to grow towards a greater and greater harmony now this subtle difference we must understand getting rid of depression uh, is like i want to go back to my status quo and that's what even psychiatrists do through medication what do they do they put you back into your status quo situation but to use depression and in fact any crisis as a means for growth now that's what is important so instead of going back to status quo i want to get rid of depression i want to be some people say i want to be what i was earlier no if this dark door has come like alice in wonderland let's enter into a magical space so instead of that we should aspire and pray for uh, progress now you see a lot of depression is because we are not progressing in life and uh, of course outwardly we may be progressing in people's eye but we are not leading our true life we have deviated from this truth of our own existence and then you know because of societal pressures reasons hundred things um, real and unreal 
we are hypnotized and we lead a life which is not our own so there is a chronic undercurrent of depression and it applies even in uh, you know what we are calling as biological depression because we don't know whether biology has stopped and where environment has taken over because if there is a biological depression implying in the parents this tendency is there so it has come as a strong imprint like a vertical heredity transmission so we must disabuse our mind of all these ideas and remember that remind ourselves 10000 times a million times that well deep within me i am that pure divine essence that truth which no shadow can cross so let this be the guiding mantra of our life you know every morning invoke that beautiful sun that shines in all its splendor offer gratitude open the heart towards all life love is a very important factor in getting rid of depression but you know love can be of a clinging dependent type where we are drawing from uh, people but love has its own source within and when we open out to the world uh, it it acts like a magic to give love increases the force of love within us so it definitely 100% i can say with all authenticity that depression can go away biological depression by the inner means but there will be an inter uh, immediate period during which one may need medication and i see nothing wrong in it i have seen people who are open to the divine and i have seen that the need of medication and the dosage and the duration is definitely considerably reduced so one may need medication it's okay nothing wrong in that but even if one had to need medication for a long time use this opportunity as a growth why put it as either or that okay if i am taking medi- medication i have given up no medication is its own box and you know has its own place <laughs> because sometimes it may be good to help the nervous system uh, by purely material means because at each level we have a corresponding medium through which the force can work so it's perfectly fine in taking medication um certainly not very very strong medication which can you know drug us to sleep but tailor made dosage individually but unfortunately it's very rare because most people use a standard prescription i have seen people who are subtly oriented need much lesser dosage so some medication is fine at the same time use this as a unique opportunity to grow endlessly so this is what i would suggest again this is different from a psychotic phenomena where there may be actually things like possession and uh, you know all kinds of influences that is much much more difficult and uh, probably if that happens uh, one need some medication to block the molecular gates from the inrush of these forces but at the same time one can still continue to progress as long as the psychic being is still taking care of the being okay so this is in a nutshell thank you thank you very much sir yes i have another question if i may yes please can a suicide be considered as ichha maran of the modern suicide is a utkat karma all spiritual literature from the ancient literature to the isha upanishad as a whole verse i know it's a controversial verse which different people have interpreted differently but uh, from what uh, you know shubhendran the mother has spoken of asurya nam te loka pretya abhigachanti those who leave their body willfully they uh, to start with you know ikshamrit itself but that we can come to a little later you see one has cut short violently the um, 
curve of life which means the challenges that one faces are meant for us to grow so one tries to cut it off violently number 1 Uh, as if to escape number 2 it is done in a very very dark state of consciousness so what happens our state of consciousness carries us to the uh, further journey that's what see this the other way the, what the gita puts it as that you know remember me at all times and fight so whatever is your state of consciousness you will go towards that now that means if we are in a dark state of consciousness we will enter the asurya naam te loka the dark sunless worlds of gloom where we are totally trapped as it were for who knows you know um, of course uh, help will come at some point of time but in the body we can still call for help but when we are caught up in that trapped in that dark state we don't even know you know uh, whom to call where to call where to reach out so it is a very very dark exit second we have tried to curve uh, cut abruptly the challenges of life it will come back in a much much more difficult way each time we try to do it so it is the it's actually a no, no option it's not only a non starter but it complicates things endlessly all spiritual lit- literature mentions it's an utkat karma and the divine mother also says that three lives the scar or tendency to suicide remains and it requires a real call and grace to remove it completely so if one has suicidal thoughts one should call grace cling to it and aspire to pull one out of it now ikshamrityu is another aspect now ikshamrityu is of two kinds one is that commonly called ikshamrityu like euthanasia i want to die and you know people uh, like in certain traditions people stop taking uh, food and water and withdraw now uh, you know this because you are feeling uh, that the body is suffering and all that this is again not a not a ikshamrityu it's a attempt to escape you know it it doesn't help it it's not a good thing to do because again you are trying to cut off a challenge which the divine wisdom has arranged for our growth but there is another kind of ikshamrityu the kind which bhishma exercised and i know of couple of people uh, in the ashram context who exercise it when your work is over you know that now you know my work is over swami vekananda that is ikshamrityu shurabindo when he says that i'll come back in a new supramental body because of the work that they are doing the nature of the work they are doing they are very conscious that either that by going beyond the limits of the body as with shurabindo we can actually facilitate the work or because whatever work one had come to do it is over like swami vekananda or like bhishma who's you know he waited imagine a man with ikshamrityu is not taking okay now i am on a bed of arrows let me go away because he had taken the vow of seeing hastinapur safe so he can't do that so he is waiting now this is true ikshamrityu that is not because one is impelled by suffering i mean to be on that battlefield bhishma was suffering doubly to see all the onslaught to see his near and dear ones die uh, himself on a bed of uh, pain but yet because he knows that the Uh, so what was he doing during that time he was aspiring that may my aspiration be fulfilled with or without me and in fact without me so he moves out and he waits the moment you know it's fulfilled he chooses to depart so ikshamrityu is a very different thing it's granted as a grace some people have it who are very conscious of their psychic being but generally what is called as ikshamrityu is not ikshamrityu but another dignified form of escape which is sanctified by certain religions that you stop uh, eating drinking and you withdraw uh, there is a term for it prayo apyo vasna or something like that where you slowly drop these sanskaras because you are not eating uh, i mean i am not sure whether it's a good idea 
I think it's a bad idea because <laughs> because uh, whatever one has left unfinished, one will come back to do it. That's what the law of rebirth is about. So if you believe in rebirth, then it has no meaning. If we don't believe in rebirth, then too, it makes sense that I must live my life till the divine wants me to live. Even if I can do outwardly nothing like Bhishma, I still can aspire, I still can invoke, I still can, uh, you know, bring hope to countless people. You see, Bhishma was giving knowledge, people were coming to him, uh, you know, seeking solace and he was there for them. So, that Ikshamrityu is a very rare or like Sri Krishna who takes Ikshamrityu or Lord Rama because his mission is over. Now that's a very different thing altogether. But, uh, I mean, but mostly we must not seek death, we must not be afraid of death. If it comes, we embrace it because what is death? Shubindu writes very beautifully, death is but a changing of our robes to wait in wedding garments at the eternal's gate. <laughs> so if it comes, fine, cello. But we should not ask for it. You know, premature weddings are not good. <laughs> Let's deserve the meeting in wedding garments. <laughs> Let's fulfill God's work uh, for which we are born. That should be our only focus. Because actually there is no escape. Uh, some people speak of nirvana as an escape well if God wanted nirvana there would have been no creation to start with and second uh, nirvana doesn't come because we uh, you know uh, join a sect or because we dress a certain way or uh, we follow outwardly certain codes of conduct to even arrive at nirvana which is the only way that a soul can really come out of creation one has to have the mighty heart of a buddha which tramples over desires you know, that kind of stillness inside. To be a Buddha, not to talk about that he is a Buddha, I am an enlightened one, all this talk that goes on the net uh, and Kora and all these forums that I have got enlightenment, uh, stay away from such stuff. True, Buddha never said, I am an enlightened one. <laughs> the original Buddha. How he walks trampling over desires below his feet, mighty, asking for nothing. His heart burning with an intense aspiration, with compassion for whole mankind. He was not seeking individual nirvana, by the way. He was wanting to find a way out of the suffering of this world because he was moved by the suffering of creation. Not an individual escape. So if we have the heart of a Buddha uh, and the intellect of a Buddha, tremendous intellect, if ever there was... Any intellect which could compare with Shankaraj, and of course I am not bringing Shurabindo in there, <laughs> beyond comparison. Uh, it's Buddha, Buddha and Shankara, two mightiest intellect uh, ever born in India. Again, I am not bringing Shurabindo in because it's not just intellect but goes far beyond any limits. And uh, if we have that, yes, we can ask for Nirvana, try for it. That's the only ticket that takes us beyond, <laughs> not death. Death is a gate to the false infinite. How much ever it may tempt us, we should not make it real in our consciousness. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So we have just about a couple of minutes. Any one quick question, maybe I can take. All right, so...
Okay, fine. So one last question. Yes, tell me. Good question. That yeah. How do we know that we are going into depression? Uh, we'll feel it just like we feel joy. So, but the first sign is not feeling joy. You know, there are people who are uh, built in a certain way that they don't. Also, because uh, there is, you know, society unfortunately. Oh, if you are depressed now, it's uh, looked down upon. So many people don't even. Uh, Express it. They they even deny to themselves that I am depressed. Uh, but you will feel that there is a missing of joy. Now, when there is a missing of joy, there are other things which follow: irritability. Again, I am not saying that uh, every time one is irritable or angry. Uh, and also, please don't start categorizing people. Oh, you are very irritable. You need to see a psychiatrist. No, by all means, <laughs> irritability, um, anger are unfortunately the stuff of human nature. They should not be. But yes, um, anger, irritability, uh, lack of uh, feeling joy. They are those early signs. Uh, excessive anger. Uh, in fact, depression is anger turned inwards. Uh, anger is turned outside. The same energy turned towards oneself is depression. Uh, it's acute egoism. When thoughts come like, you know, nobody loves me, nobody cares for me, nobody understands me. What is common is me <laughs> and nobody. So there is me and there is nobody. That's why depression is an egoistic illness. <laughs> okay, if nobody cares for you, you care for people. You can always care. What's what? Why not? Maybe when we care for this world, world will care for us more. But why do we need the world to care for us? I mean, we should be strong enough and not depend on anyone for you know needing care. But even if that is not the state, at least we can. Start the ball rolling from our side to care, and then yes, people give care at ordinarily at human level. Uh, Sometimes we receive it, whatever it is. But the common thought that if these thoughts come, life is meaningless, worthless, self-depreciation. It's a state of tamas. I'm useless. I'm worthless. I'm no good. Why? Because somebody X, Y, or Z thinks I am worthless. Uh, what is the worth of that person having such thoughts about me? Who is he or she to decide whether I am worthless or worthy? If the other person says I am worthy, does it make me worthy? I mean, it doesn't, isn't it? So if the other person says that I am worthless, why should I give credence to that? Is the person living in truth consciousness that, you know, I take uh, his or her views seriously? So, but these thoughts will come. They will uh, start entering, especially at night, because night is a time when all these forces are freely at play. Also, we are tired. So, you know, they find easy entry. Uh, then on top of it, we put those old time Mukesh Ke Gane. And, uh, you know, <laughs> he is a good singer. I, I like him. But, you know, some of those songs, uh, I don't remember now any of them. But uh, whatever it is, very sad melodies. To, as if we want to compound it. Hear some happy songs of Kishore Kumar if you want. <laughs> if, if that is the choice. Uh, otherwise, put some nice, so, so many things which can distract this state. So, don't get caught up in this state and start flowing with it. So, important thing is to use antidotes to, you know, each such suggestion that I am useless, say that I am a child of immortality, I am child of the Divine Mother, I am child of delight, I cannot fail, Amritasya Putraha, Anandasya Putraha. I am mother's child. Let the whole world say whatever about me. 
the whole world may say he's the most useless fellow and most uh, stupid fellow and whatever <laughs> smile at it you know she was uh, um, uh, vahana nandi how much he heard from everybody how much uh, ulahana people used to say oh this stupid uh, bull minded fellow but nandi had no reaction because nandi said okay okay i may be stupid or whatever but i am shiva's nandi try becoming one same we see with hanuman how much he heard you see when you read that episode of lanka dahan uh, what he doesn't hear from ravana and all his people in the place oh he is monkey monkey headed monkey brained but where is ravana and where is hanuman so you know a lot depends on what we value in life stop valuing social opinions and you'll be a free person discover your own truth so when these suggestions come know that waves of depression are coming sometimes they may not attack the thought but just like waves for no reason rise above them or distract your mind to something else or call in counter waves of peace and harmony and light and joy into the being but definitely turn away from step back learn to step back when these waves come and they will pass away if you don't flow with it it will increase and then go away everything in life moves like that so these are early signs um, the the sign that when we really need to see someone probably is when our sleep gets starts getting disturbed now that becomes like you know um, Uh, matter is getting a little serious so when sleep starts getting disturbed uh, not in an absolute way but this is one of the criteria then probably probably some medication may be needed so um, be watchful over that uh, now again one day sleep getting disturbed has no meaning uh, three four days in a week then there is uh, definitely things are little more serious okay so the earliest sign is lack of joy joy is given to all of us from ch- from childhood it's one thing which is already given but as we grow up parents make us believe no no you are not happy till you get a degree and teachers make us believe you are not happy you are not supposed to be happy if you don't get good marks <laughs> society makes us believe that you are not supposed to be happy unless you get a good job so we start believing oh maybe i am not happy i am not supposed to be happy <laughs> where is this our nature to be happy see children how they are happy until we corrupt their original file and say look you must get what your uh, neighbor's child is getting then only you have a right right to be happy happiness is our birthright and don't give away birthright like ascend to the divine life is our birthright these are birthright and we should not barter it for anything okay so thank you so much um, serve this world wonderful world of the divine two lines from savitri few lines which with which we can close uh, they are from this uh, canto wonderful canto book 1 canto 4 the secret knowledge uh, you know we all think of oh i have made this mistake this problem uh, so these are magnificent lines one who has made this world is ever its lord our errors are his steps upon the way he works through the fears vicissitudes of our lives he works through the hard breath of battle and toil he works through our sins our sorrows and our tears so see me is not at the center he is at the center he works through our sins our sorrows and our tears whatever our present ills whatever the appearances we must bear whatever our strong ills and present fate when nothing we can see but drift and bail a mighty guidance leads us still through all 
and then he closes with these magnificent lines uh, of course continues long passage after we have served this great divided world god's bliss and oneness are our inborn right a date is fixed in the calendar of the unknown an anniversary of our birth sublime our soul shall justify its checkered walk all shall come near that now is not or far so let our eyes be fixed on this far goal even if it is unseen and life will grow beautiful and delightful thank you so much thank you okay we'll close yes thank you thank you aloka thank you thank you yeah